Vasudevasutam devam tansu januramardanam devaki paramanandam krishnam vannev jagat guram Hi and welcome to Geeta Girl. My name is Sharmila and the Geeta Girl podcast is about how to live skillfully and be the best version of yourself by using the advice in the Bhagavad Gita. We will be simplifying and learning how to apply these lessons in our daily lives to optimize the outcome in any situation. Hi, I'm Shayla and I'm the producer of Geetha Girl and I am really excited about today. We're going to be talking about dharma, which is one of the most important concepts in Hinduism. One of the things that I've always thought about was that dharma is equivalent to duty. So what that means to me is that when you are a child, your duty is to be a good student and to listen to your parents. That's what I was always told was my dharma when I was a kid. Um, when you are older, your dharma, your duty is to be a good worker. When you are a parent, your dharma is to raise your children well. And so at each stage in your life, you have a different important duty. And that's how I've always thought. But um, since being in the class, I've learned it's far more complex. In class, we've discussed that dharma is not just duty. That's not the most complete definition. Dharma is doing the right thing at the right time based on the country in which you live, the laws of the country, the people involved in the situation, your capabilities. Basically, it's trying to do your best given the circumstances you're in. However, one of the most difficult things and the reason why the entire Gita came about is to answer this question, what is my dharma? So there are two aspects. First, what am I supposed to do? What's the right thing to do now? Which is so difficult. A lot of times we don't know what the right thing to do is. Should we say something? Should we not say something? Should we act? Should we not act? You know, what am I supposed to do now? That's the first aspect of dharma. And the second aspect is, okay, now that I know what I'm doing, or now that I know what decision I've made, how do I go about doing it? So the second aspect is skill in action, life skills, which the entire Gita is full of them. And we are learning through this podcast, the life skills in the Bhagavad Gita. We've already done two podcasts about equanimity, um, staying calm, doing your best, leaving the rest. And we will continue to talk about these life skills. So that's how do I go about doing it? But the first thing, what am I supposed to do now? Honestly, that's probably for me, and I think for most people, one of the most difficult things to figure out. Okay, in this situation, what am I supposed to do? Performing your dharma, your duty, your responsibility is closely linked with karma. Karma is another important concept in Hinduism. The literal translation of the word karma is simply action. Therefore, when we do something good, this is called good karma, good action. And when we do something bad, this is called bad karma, bad action. And performing your duty to the best of your capability is creating good consequences. And that either good consequence or if you haven't done your dharma and generated bad consequences for yourself, if those consequences don't come to you immediately, they will come to you in the future. 
This is how karma works. And we will be dedicating several upcoming podcasts to discussing karma. Reincarnation is another big, big concept in Hinduism. And what Hindus believe is that when the body dies, the soul continues its journey of evolution. And when the soul enters another body, another lifetime, it takes its karmic account with it. So one's karma that you're creating in this lifetime and in past lifetimes, if the fruition hasn't come in this lifetime, it'll come to you in the next one. The Gita came about 5,000 years ago. It's a conversation between Krishna, who's God, and Arjun, who's his cousin and friend. And Arjun was in a terrible dilemma. He was on the brink of war. He was at that time the upholder of truth and justice and right and good. And he was a warrior. But unfortunately, his family had turned to the dark side and were on the side of evil. And he was all teed up to fight them in the war. The battle cries were about to begin. But when he saw on the opposing side all the people that he loved, his teachers, his gurus, his great-grandfather, his uncles, his cousins, even though he knew they were on the side of evil, and he was fighting on the side of good, and God himself was Arjun's charioteer. God himself was advising him to fight in the battle. He couldn't do it. It was so difficult, and he had a complete loss of confidence. And he put down his weapons. He said, I, I've changed my mind. I, don't, I no longer think this is the right thing to do. How can I kill my own family? How can I destroy them? And the whole of the Bhagavad Gita is... In 18 chapters and 700 verses, Krishna advising Arjun on what the right thing to do is. The first word in the entire book is the word dharma, which means duty, but more than that, doing the right thing at the right time in the right place, given the circumstances. And the last word in the entire book is mama, which means mine. So the entirety of the book discusses my dharma. What on earth am I supposed to do next? And because each circumstance and each individual is different on this planet, all of our dharmas are individual. However, the Bhagavad Gita, it's almost like an operations manual that gives us guidelines which we can follow to determine first what we should do, and then secondly, how do I go about doing it? Ami, who is a student, brought up such a brilliant question in class about dharma, a very, very difficult and complex conflict about what the right thing to do was. And I thought it was just a great example of how we can figure out what our dharma is. I'm very excited to, to hear Ami's story, particularly because she is a friend and a member of our Adele Gita class, but also because she is talking about a very relevant dilemma right now. She's married to a frontline healthcare worker who worked during COVID. And I think her example is an incredibly compelling one. Yeah. And I think we're all going to learn from this great real life example. So here we go. Jesse Krishna Ami. Jesse Krishna Sharmila. So you asked a really great question in class. Why don't you repeat the question? Sure. So thank you, first of all, to invite me to do this with you, because I think it's going to be a wonderful discussion. And 
being in your class has been very um, enlightening in many different ways. And I take away a lot of things that you say and put them into practice as best as I can. So thank you for being a great mentor. Thank you. But I have to correct you. I don't say anything. Lord Krishna says it all. And I just want to clarify that I am very enlightened by having such a smart lady like you in the class. So thank you for being there and helping me on my journey too. Back at you. So I'm going to talk about this question, Sharmila, that really has been playing on my mind since the time you've taught us about Dharma and Lord Krishna's and Arjuna's conversation. And basically the heart and soul of the Gita is about the call of duty. My husband and I live in New York City. We've been here 20 years. He is a physician, an intensive care physician, and an anesthesiologist at SUNY Downstate. And it's an academic teaching hospital. It's a state hospital with very little funding. And in the throes of COVID-19, he was very much a part of that ICU unit where he spent a lot of his days and hours and weeks. And we barely saw him. And I kind of started thinking about Dharma and the question that kept coming up to me and I kept grappling with but was not able to find an answer was that as an individual, he must have had an inner conflict because I'm facing the conflict that how do you respond to a call of duty towards your work as a physician? And you also have the same level of responsibility towards your family. And to me, I saw both those duties as equally essential, and I just struggled as a mother, as a wife, that on one hand, as a family, we are facing this tremendous risk where he has thrown himself into the jaws of death by seeing these patients day in, day out. And on the other hand, he's chosen to respond to the call of duty and really adhering to the Hippocratic oath that he took, that he will do everything that is needed in his call of duty to serve these patients. And that's the struggle I have to really understand that when both duties are equal, how do you navigate that? I can't imagine how gut-wrenching it really must have been for all of you to have your heart in your mouth every day seeing him go. In the Gita, Arjun had a distinct choice between good over evil, right? It was much more clear-cut. Now you're thinking, okay, what about my duty to my family who are wonderful? And of course, I have responsibility to as well as my job, which I have to do because I'm a doctor. So, you know, it, what was fascinating and also very uncomfortable to hear was that there were colleagues who did not want to work on the front line. So I, as a wife and as a mother, I immediately felt that, why are you putting yourself out there? Others are right. right. No, why are you doing it? And my husband's response was that on principle, it's not ethical for him to do something which is wrong because he signed up for this. He is an ICU physician. His first duty come towards making sure to provide the excellence of care in a hospital which is primarily serving the poor and who's going to take care of these people who need it the most. 
So that became a very difficult decision for me to digest. Though in my heart of hearts, my integrity and my conscience knew that it is right. But to really accept and live with it and having the fear that what if he doesn't come home? And the stories that I would hear and read in the papers was very, very challenging to comprehend or even accept what was going on. And sometimes we think, what if my husband's wrong and everybody else is right? Right. That must have run through your mind constantly. And did any of his colleagues in the hospital or anyone, any of his peers, maybe in another hospital, were any of them in danger or caught it? Uh, Yes. One of his closest colleagues passed away because of COVID. Oh, gosh. My husband worked with him very, very closely. And he saw that happening. And the night he died, my husband had seen him in the morning and he was monitoring him very closely because he was on service in the ICU that week. And that was emotionally very hard. And there were nurses who were dying. They were seeing bodies drop by the hour. And often my husband would come and say that there would be situations where by the time the code 99 was called and as an intensivist and an anesthesiologist, I was asked to go. And by the time I gowned up and got ready, the patient was gone. When I would hear those horror stories, it would worry me. And the more articles I read in the newspaper and the articles about his hospital where ICU beds were separated by duct tape, lack of PPEs, was really frightening to have a spouse go through it. And I had nowhere to look. I had no solace. It was very difficult to try to make sense of anything or to even reach out to someone to talk about that inner turmoil that I was going through. I can't even imagine. And so you ask an incredible question. When it comes to a choice where both your responsibilities, you feel they're equal, one to your family and one to your job, which one takes precedence? Dharma, as you know from class, means doing the right thing at the right time to the best of your ability, given the situation you're Mm -hmm. in, the people involved in that situation, basically the best thing you can given the circumstances you find yourself in. But this one's a tough one. This one's really, really tough. And so dharma is actually from the Sanskrit word dhri. And dhri means to uphold. So the concept of dharma in Hinduism and in the Bhagavad Gita is anything which upholds or sustains the positive order of things. Anything that upholds the welfare of the world order in the best possible sense is dharmic, is dharma. And anything which brings down or erodes the positive order of things is a dharma, meaning the opposite of dharma. It's the thing not to do. So a great way to figure out what is my dharma in such a difficult dilemma as this is to think, if everyone in my situation did as I do, what would happen to the positive order of things. So Samrat, your husband, he had this choice in your mind and in most people's mind, including my own, I'm choosing between my job and my family. But if he thought to himself, well, if every ICU doctor in every hospital 
during this pandemic was to excuse themselves and say, I'm not comfortable and recuse themselves from their responsibilities, what would happen? So what, what do you think would happen? People wouldn't get the care they need and things would get worse. And also, I think, how would you live with that guilt after turning it down and saying it's not your responsibility when you signed up to do that? Well, Krishna has a whole bunch of things that he says about the fallout mm -hmm. from a dharmic, the opposite of dharmic activity, which we're going to talk about. But I'm thinking that if every ICU doctor recused themselves from their responsibilities, it would be apocalyptic. Mm -hmm. And in such a situation, yeah, he could have stayed home and looked after his family. But right. the truth is that if he did that and every ICU doctor did that and COVID was allowed to run completely rampant and one of you got sick, mm -hmm. Samrat as an ICU doctor could only do so much for you at home. Right. And if one of you were to go into the hospital in the ICU because you needed that care, who would be there to look after you? Right. So a great way to look at it is that he's not doing his duty at the expense of his family. Samrat is doing his duty in order to protect his family. Because in Bhagavad Gita, chapter 3, verse 21 Krishna says, whatever a great man does, when he says man, he means man or woman, whatever a great man does, the same is done by others. Whatever standard he sets, people follow. Right. And Samrat's a great man. So I just think that, you know, it's the hardest thing when you're in a marriage and you feel your spouse is not putting you first, right? Because you're a team. You're supposed to be teammates. Right. And your family's supposed to come above everything. But it's the hardest thing to feel that, wait, my spouse mm -hmm. is not putting me above all else. That's a big betrayal. Just it leaves a hole in your heart. But according to the Gita, doing your dharma, you do it for everyone, including your family. And more than betrayal, it was more about the fear. The mm -hmm. fear of losing him to the disease. And the fear that he was so exposed to all these patients day in, day out, seven days a week. There were days when he did a continued two-week shift in the ICU. The living with that was the hardest part. Picking up the workload of running the household was not as much, but living with that fear to just worry that what if he gets it? Yeah, and that's a very real fear. And that, and that fear was the most difficult to navigate. But now as you explain it, to look at it in a different context, you know, it kind of makes it more approachable and accessible and more accepting rather than thinking of it as with two different responsibilities. But as you rightly put it, that if he does his job, he's also protecting the family because he's setting that example. And he's also setting an example for the kids. Absolutely. That you do what you have committed to do and you figure out and take the protection you need to take. And he did, as you're 
asking these questions and talking about these things, it reminds me of the times when he would come home from the hospital. He would not touch anything. He would be gloved and masked. And we would alcohol spray the doorknobs. We would alcohol spray his jacket because it was in the middle of winter. Mm -hmm. And he would not touch anything in the house till he was fully showered. He would be extremely careful about his movements within the house to make sure that we were protected and because he was so exposed. So he took extreme precaution. And now that you, in hindsight, after all this has temporarily passed, when I think of these moments, you know, it is far more accepting and puts him in another context. I have a whole different appreciation for the work that he did and the examples that he set for his own family, which I don't think I would have seen. And at that point, looking at the Gita or talking to anybody about it was very hard emotionally. Of course. After going through it, it kind of resonates to make those connections. It shifts how you look at it completely. It gives you a different lens. And, and I think looking at this through the lens of the Gita makes it far more meaningful and you can relate to it in a much simpler fashion than when you are actually living through that experience. And it also resonates because touch wood, and I'm touching my head as I tell you this, because he's fine. Yes. You know, let's acknowledge it's much harder for it to resonate right. if, yes. the un- if the worst happens. Right. Absolutely. You know, it was a surreal experience. I'm sure it must have been like being in a horror movie. Funny you should say that because we did a family blog to cope with it. The kids and I would do a journal entry every day. We would pull headlines from the newspapers. We would draw, we would write poems. And we did it for 40 days straight. And we had a blog where we would write about our feelings and the experiences. And sometimes Samrat would contribute. And one of the entries we had, I talked about this entire thing as a horror movie and Mm. it was being written as we were experiencing. It's just unimaginable what you all have been through. And I'm so happy you all have come out the other side and just a few more verses I want to talk about, which I think will offer you some comfort and be able to digest what you all have been through in chapter three, verse 25, Krishna says the wise people, truly wise people act and behave desiring, not just their own needs, but desiring the welfare of the world order. Because if you desire and act for the welfare of the world, you're also acting for the welfare of your own. What you articulate there is so beautifully said, because, you know, as Krishna says, that you're doing your dharma for yourself, but you're also doing your dharma towards the other, and you're fulfilling the responsibilities you are asked to fulfill, which you're set to do. And, you know, according to Krishna, your duty, your dharma is what you signed up for. You, look, we all have children not knowing yes. what it means, right? And then once we give birth, well, we can't be like, oh, you know what? I didn't sign up for this. Let me give them back. Yes. It doesn't work like that. So as much as we all come across circumstances where we think I didn't sign up for this, but you've got to deal with it. According to Krishna, he says... 
if you look at chapter two, verses 31 to 38, mm -hmm. I'm going to basically give you a brief overview. He says, there exists no greater good karmically than for somebody to do their duty when their duty involves righteousness and the karmic benefit of doing your duty when it is truly the right thing to do and in the service of the welfare of all. He says, karmically, you're golden. He says, there exists no greater good than doing your duty when it's for the benefit of all. And Krishna goes on to say, it's only the lucky amongst us who get such an unsolicited opportunity, which is an open door to heaven. And I think what you said just reminds me of a quote that I had seen when I walked into my office building at Teachers College. It said, within every challenge lies an opportunity. And in this context, the opportunity is to do the right thing, adding to your karmic bank account. Right. And you said it beautifully that it really is so true that, yes, it was challenging, but it presented an opportunity for him to serve and for us to reflect as we went through that lived experience. Again, I can't even imagine, but I'm so happy all of you have come out on the other side. And you had asked another question that how can you deal with your guilty conscience if you haven't done it? Those verses I was talking about, chapter 2, verses 31 to 38, Krishna says, if you don't do your duty, uh, what he says is kind of harsh, but he says, abandoning your duty, you will incur sin. Now, Krishna hardly uses the word sin. He doesn't talk in terms of sin in the Gita very, 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 very rarely. But he feels so strongly about this. And mm -hmm. when he says sin, he means negative karma, that you are filling your karmic account with bad consequences. He just says that if you have an opportunity to do the right thing and it's your duty to do it and you don't, he says abandoning your duty is a recipe for bad karma. Right. And... In Samrat's case, like you said, how would he deal with the guilt of literally having blood on his hands? You're absolutely right that if he had chosen the path, like some of his other colleagues and other folks that we knew, I think you would never be able to sleep at night because you would not have fulfilled the responsibility that you set out to do. And there are so many people who need needed that care. And morally, I think it would have affected all of us as a family and our integrity and our core, that he did not go to work. As much as you wonder about these things, I'm actually very grateful that he did what he did. And yes, it was a very challenging experience to live through, but we came out stronger. God bless you all. And you talked about how do you sleep at night. Krishna says that if you don't do your duty he says, the mental anguish you go through afterwards, he says, the distress you go through mm -hmm. with your inner conscience, knowing that you did the wrong thing, what can be more distressing than this? Right. I mean, you know, we all have, at least I have nightmares <laughs> when I shouted at my children and I shouldn't have. And I feel so bad 
And that's just a small thing, let alone mm -hmm. what Samrat had to go through, which was massive. Um, again, easy for me to say because I'm not a doctor and I'm not in that position and very hard for somebody like you to live through. But I'm so proud of you for putting your best foot forward. And I know you supported him by starting a GoFundMe for food, for his hospital. And you guys are just incredible. One more verse from the Gita. Krishna says that, and, and this is a tough one. He says that if you do the right thing, even if it doesn't go the way you wanted it to, if you do the right thing, you still get the karmic benefit of having done the right thing, no matter what the end result was. And that's horrifying in the case of a frontline worker, right? To think about that. 100%. But chapter 9, verse 22, which is one of the most powerful verses in the Gita in which Lord Krishna makes a great promise to all of humanity. And this verse also happens to be the mathematical center of the 700 verses in the Bhagavad Gita. Lord Krishna says that the people doing their dharma and doing their dharma in the spirit of, as Samrat did it, God's work, right? Yes. Truly doing what was right in the spirit of upholding the welfare of the world order. Krishna's God, he says, I myself attend to their wants and needs and provide them with security of what they have. So he says that, Karmically, if you do your dharma, even if it looks like the worst, he says that he has your back, always. All of you did incredible positive karma. And we all as a society owe you such a huge debt, not only because I personally did not have to go to hospital, but I do know friends and family members who did. But because of people like Samrat, if it wasn't for people like him, I don't know what could have happened. Yes. And I think you, you certainly highlight a very crucial point that because of all these frontline workers who did their duties, who showed up to work no matter every day, day by day for hours, it created pathways for curbing as much of the disease as they could. And as a result of all those frontline workers, not just my husband, New York State is where it is today. Right. If those folks hadn't put in the work, hadn't done their dharma, we would not be enjoying phase four reopening. Right. Samrat, he did his dharma, but he did not just create good karma because of the people he helped. He created good karma because of the ripple effects are tremendous of what he did in terms of curbing the spread of this. So all of us as a society owe not only your husband, but every single frontline worker a huge debt of gratitude. Your husband is a titan. I mean, think about it. Because as much as you were scared... I'm sure he was petrified, but he still managed to do his dharma and do his best despite it all. And God bless him. It was a roller coaster ride, but we got through it. So I'm delighted that we had a chance to talk this through in a very profound way, which I don't think I would have had the mental bandwidth to have a conversation in April. Right, right. 
thank you for helping us navigate through this and guiding us through the Gita because I would have never asked you that question. It was more about having the courage and the comfort to open up about my very, very deep feelings of what I was going through. Yeah. And it was a tough question to ask and grapple with. And when I can't remember, it was, I think it was one of our last classes or second to last classes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And we talked about Dharma. And I was like, I have to ask this because this is eating me up. It's, it's a great question for me also, because all of us in our lives, mm-hmm. hopefully not, I, mean, I certainly don't want to find myself in the same position as Samrat, but right. we all find ourselves in dilemmas like this. And I just think it's so incredible for you to share this experience and your deepest thoughts mm-hmm. with us today. So thank you. And, you know, God bless you and your whole family. I'm very, very proud of you and grateful to all of you. Thank you, Jesse Krishnami. Thank you. That was such a great conversation that you and Ami had. I think it really was a perfect example of Dharma and what is our duty. When I first heard Ami's question during our class, I thought, wow, this is a very challenging question. I would love to see how Krishna responds to this one. This is an incredible quandary. There's no way there is an answer to this because how can you choose between my family and my job? It's impossible. And then after listening to this podcast, I really came to the sort of same conclusion that I think Ami does. And it's that they were never competing. And what really stood out to me was when you said, The word dharma means upholding the world order. And that really resonated with me so much. And it's such a great lens to look at decision-making through, to think when I'm making these choices, which of these choices would uphold the world order? And Samrath made that choice. And in making the choice to be an incredibly good physician during an incredibly challenging time. He was actually helping save lives, but also helping to eliminate a disease that would actually help his family ultimately, right? And so he is upholding his duty to his family. He's protecting his family by working to um, control a pandemic. And as Ami also pointed out, he was being an example to his family and particularly his children about making a commitment and sticking to it. This is something that they will remember forever. What an incredible lesson. And if we think about our duty as a parent and duty to our family, part of it is being this role model, being this example. And he was doing exactly that. And I think moving forward for me and maybe even for our listeners to kind of think about that when we're when we're making a decision about what what is our responsibility, what is our duty to think about those two questions that you asked, what is upholding the world order and what would happen if I didn't do this anytime we're faced with a seemingly um, difficult decision or a decision that seems diametrically opposed. 
after doing the research and looking further into the Gita and other texts that I read, as you know, Shail, I do a lot of research to answer these questions because I'm trying to do my dharma. I always think now, okay, if everyone in my position did exactly as I'm doing, how would that affect the whole world? Because that for me is easier in my brain to think about it, right? Because I, as one person, I'm not going to make that much difference, I think, which isn't really true. But if I think, okay, what if everyone in my position did the same thing? And that for me is my technique that I've taken away, which really, I think, helps me hone in on clarifying what my dharma is. And I was so bowled over by this conversation because, you know, in the world today where you see horrifying behavior going on yes, and people seem to be getting away with it left, right and center, it just was so inspirational to hear about Samrat's thought process that, you know, there is good in this world. The world just seems full of negativity now, but Samrat just seemed like a beacon of light to me. And so did Ami, because the fact that even though she was struggling to deal with his decision and digest it, she still had the wherewithal and the willpower and the grace to start the GoFundMe to support him the best she could. Even though internally she may not have at that time agreed with his decision, she still did what she could to move forward as a team. It's very inspirational. It really was. Absolutely. She was upholding her duty as a parent, as a partner. Right. Yeah. And one more thing I want to add is that the first phrase in the whole Bhagavad Gita is Dharmakshetra Kurukshetra, which basically means that the Gita is calling the playing field of life where we conduct our lives. It's the playing field of dharma. That's the game. That's the game we're playing is the dharma game. So within the field of dharma comes our battleground. So that's a great thing to bear in mind that we are all playing the dharma game. That's right. And so at times when everyone seems to be getting away with negative behavior or negative behavior seems to be rewarded, that's a great thing to remember. Uh -uh, We are playing the dharma game. So deciding your path and your actions according to dharma will ensure that you win the game. Absolutely. Arjun was in a literal battle. And while most of us are not in a literal battle, our mini battles, if you will, are all these decisions we have to make on a daily basis because your dharma are your different duties as a partner, as a parent, as a child, as a friend, as a citizen of this country, as a community member. And there are always opportunities for choice. Yes, the mini battles that we're fighting, they're all on the field of dharma. That's our playing field. And I think that's just so brilliant. It's funny, Shayla, that you said that, oh, you were wondering, oh, well, Krishna's going to get stumped this time. Should have known better. He's super smart because he's God. Like, there's a reason why he's God. We keep throwing things his way, thinking, oh, this is going to stump him. I'm going to get in this time. And he's like, ah, no, not really. Sorry. Nice try. (laughs) (laughs) That's a great way to end our podcast. So, Shayla, do you want to take it away? 
Yes, this podcast can be found on iTunes and Apple Podcasts as well as Spotify. Yay, we're on Spotify now. We're on Spotify. Woo woo. Well done, Trailer, for getting us on Spotify. <laughs> we would love for you all to give us a high rating and to include your comments and to share this podcast with your friends and family. Thank you all so much for tuning in. See you next time. Jai Sri Krishna. Jai Sri Krishna. Vasudevasutam Devam Januramardanam Devaki Paramarandam Krishnam Vandev Jagat Guram